Brett Kavanaugh is back in the news. We will start there. The Democrats got, to be- got together for another debate. It didn't go well. Plus, one of you has an interesting idea regarding the upcoming primaries. We'll do that and a lot more on this week's Corey Truax Show. I am always deeply grateful for the diversity in the Corey Truax Show listener audience. I, I don't really know how much gender diversity and age diversity or in, uh, in, I guess, racial diversity there is. I do know how much ideological uh, diversity there is. I'm so grateful for that, that somehow, despite my disagreements, I've kept some of the folks who listened, who are, who are Trump people, and even though that I'm a real deal, hardcore, conservative, capitalist Christian, that I've got secular listeners and i got left-wing listeners, uh, that you, got, you guys come from very different places, and... You're all nice. So some uh, we're going to get to one email here today, uh, and I appreciate that listenership. And today, I am pr- it's one of those shows that as we span everything, all of you will agree with something and disagree with other things. Uh, and f- particularly, warning to my left-wing or liberal folks, I think I'm probably going to make you the least happy today. Uh, but I don't do the show to be happy, right? We do the show. To have smarter, deeper, better talk. That's the, pr- the reason we do the show. Uh, to add to the cacophony of voices out there, what I hope is a voice of, of reason and thoughtfulness, but also, also somewhat entertaining and informative and all that. Uh, so we're going to get to a lot of that today. Uh, before I do that, let me also remind you, you're listening to The Corey Truax Show on Christian Talk 91.9 and 92.9 FM. Thank you for listening live on Saturday morning, if that's where you're listening. And if you're listening to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen, I am grateful, and I would be even more grateful if you'd stop keep, keeping it a secret that you listen and you would share the show with others. I'm also the pastor for teaching at Beachwood Church, and Beachwood Church meets at 1030 on Sunday mornings in Greenville, South Carolina. You, yes you, you're always welcome. Here we go. Sunday evening, I think it was. I went to a, a news site because I thought I was going to try to start recording uh, my show, putting together the show on Sunday evening, and I saw this story pop up regarding Brett Kavanaugh. Brett Kavanaugh is, of course, the member of the Supreme Court who, during his confirmation hearing, was that a year ago, last September, October? I think I was right. Maybe it's two years ago. I think it was last year. There were... The Christine, there's Christine Blasey Ford came forward and said when they were teenagers, Brett Kavanaugh assaulted her. There were some other women who came forward. Some later recanted that said they did things to that he did things to them that would either go into the category of sexual assault or maybe just lewd behavior. And none of it had corroborating evidence. There was never corroborating testimony. I think, uh, I, looking back on it, and I didn't listen back to any of those shows, but during that time period, but I know it was the most angry I had been since the Trump election. Like, I told you, you're all going to be mad at me, so here's the right and then the left, or at least the Republican and then the left. Better make you both mad. I was angry over the Trump primary election. Once he got to the general election and it was Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, I just really didn't care anymore. But during the primary election, I will admit, I had a lot of anger issues around that. Primarily because... It is part of my person. My personality is one that deeply values justice. 
I want to do whatever's right. And even what, if what's right is uncomfortable, I don't care. I'm going to do it. And I want other people to value what's right, not what's comfortable, not, not what brings the most people together. Because even in my heart, if it doesn't bring people together, but it's still right, we'll still just do it. Because the, the greatest value is to be right. And the greatest value is to do what's right. And I saw an obviously evil, terrible human being named Donald Trump and some people who I don't think are evil and terrible and stupid were saying, yeah, I like that guy. And again, part of my cognitive dissonance of it was a lot of the same people who were telling me to like him were the, were the people when I was growing up told me not to like Bill Clinton. And Bill Clinton and Donald Trump are the same person morally. And there's an argument that Donald Trump is a way worse person morally. And they were all telling me how much they loved him. And so there was anger because what was happening wasn't right. It was unjust that he was becoming the nominee in this party that told me they cared so much about morality. It was wrong. And then also, just in, in the process, it was wrong because he was behaving wrongly. And he ends up winning like 33 or 34% of the primary vote, and he still gets to be the nominee. And so there was anger around it. And then last fall, Brett Kavanaugh was put for, he was my, actually, I love this Facebook post. I could share it with any of you, I could take a screenshot and send it to you. The day before Donald Trump announced his nominee, I put out on Facebook, here's my top six preferences. In order, here's who I hope he chooses. And Brett Kavanaugh was six out of six. Not because I knew anything salacious about him. He was just the least, he was the least constitutional. He was the least traditional when it comes to valuing the Constitution and its primary and its, its original intent. I, I didn't trust him as a nominee. And so it ends up being Kavanaugh, and then all of these allegations came forward. And what got me again was, this isn't right. This isn't just. This isn't how, this is not our system. This is not how our system works. If you make an allegation, you have to provide some evidence. And if you don't, you can go, I want to be compassionate, and I want to have some kind of I don't want to have an angry attitude towards those folks, but I started there. It was actually a listener, and I don't know if she is comfortable with me giving her name on air, so I won't. But I had a a good conversation with her where she, I think she just taught me a lot about her own life and some of the experience the experiences of of women, and I was I was humbled because I needed to be humbled. I was I wasn't coming at it from a good a good perspective. And that was a really important conversation for me to have, and so I stopped being so angry about it. But there, there was some fire in me over the fact that this could happen to me. And listen, guys, I'm the 33-year-old virgin, non-married guy who's just, like, I've dated a few women. You can go ask them all. I'm a perfect gentleman, all right? This is, but here's what I know. If I get any kind of prominence, if this show can ever break out of the 2,000 or so people that listen, and I do anything that makes the left mad, I know what's going to happen. Like, I know, at least I know what could happen. Someone's going to come forward and say I did something. And I don't want that for me. It's not going to be fair. And when Brett Kavanaugh, what happened with Christine Blasey Ford, and then some of the actual allegations later were that they recanted, it was just this isn't right. This is not what should happen to somebody. It's not right. And so... I was angry about it. All right, so those are the two, like probably the two most angry times I've ever had in following politics. Now, this is all coming to the story from the New York Times that there was a, there's a book coming out called The Education of Brett Kavanaugh. 
And part of what they put in the New York Times was one story of one of the women who uh, who made an allegation against Brett Kavanaugh. The allegation being that he play, uh, he um, he exposed himself and was a little aggressive. He was aggressive with exposing himself. Um, that's as far as I want to go on this show. I don't want to get any more specific than that. She says. Um, she, she, there's no, there's no witnesses. Now she says it happened at a party, and just like Christine Blasey Ford, she didn't know where, she didn't know when, she just knew it happened at a party. And so, what things happening at parties would be really useful because if I'm a journalist, I can, like, at least try to narrow it down what the party could have been, where on the Yale campus, just start working through yearbooks and just start calling people. Do you remember this guy? Do you remember this ever happening? And just try to find any other person in the world. To, uh, to corroborate the story. And not only could they not find that, just a couple hours later, the New York Times has to admit that this woman making the, the allegation for this book, the, there was a second woman, another allegation, who wouldn't even confirm if she was at the party or not. Like she, this is, what happened is a guy said, I saw Brett Kavanaugh do this to this woman. And they go to the woman and they say, did this ever happen? And she's like, I don't remember. And so, I mean, it, the whole thing starts falling apart. And it, it's a, it's a, it was another matter of injustice, but that, that seems to be they're embarrassing themselves by trying to revisit this. Here was the bigger part that I wanted to visit. So there's some allegations out there about the Supreme Court justice. There is no corroboration for them whatsoever, and therefore there is no reason to believe them. But Democratic candidates for president decided to go out on Twitter in virtue signal and start talking about how he should be impeached. How, how he should be impeached. Maybe my most bothered by this, by the cynical nature of it. All of these Democrats know that's not going to happen. I think they're all smart enough to know that it shouldn't happen. But they think their voters are morons. They think their voters are stupid, and so they say manipulating things. I'm surprised it hasn't ended up on a, in, a Twitter, in the Twitter world that they're not now bidding on how much... Uh, they're not. They're not now uh, bidding on how many people they can get impeached. And Elizabeth Warren's not out there saying, "Let's impeach Kavanaugh and Trump." And then Bernie Sanders comes behind him and says, "Let's com- let's impeach Kavanaugh, Trump, and and let's go with uh, and Biden." No, not Biden. His name is Pence. That's how Bernie Sanders is going to do it. And the next person says, "Let's impeach all those and pick another." And, and Mitch McConnell. And they're all going to start bidding on who we impeach. So now impeachment works. So now it should work. They all know it. Elizabeth Warren was out there. Doing the whole, uh, he should Kavanaugh should be impeached just like the man who nominated him. Oh, can we all agree on this show? I'm not a fan of the president of the United States. Even in this episode, I've illustrated that he hasn't done anything to be impeached, guys. Why don't you just beat him in 2020? Why don't we live in the real world? He hasn't done anything impeachable. If you think he has, I'd, I'm open to hearing it. If you think you have evidence that would suggest he should, he's done, he's committed a high crime and misdemeanor. All right, let's let's listen. I'll, I I mean that. I know I sound snide right now and smart aleck, but I'll hear it out. But being a generally bad person isn't impeachable. Making statements and using social media in a way that devalues the institutions of the United States. That does mean. The, it devalues the the federal government, the the judiciary, uh, just 
give you one example. Like when he said that uh, that judge couldn't uh, f- could not fairly adjudicate a case with him over Trump University because the judge was Hispanic, right? Well, that that degrades the uh, the, the credibility. Uh, of the judiciary, and it was an immoral and terrible thing to say. But even those kinds of statements, those aren't impeachable statements. The, as I've said before, the whole Russia thing is is the left's version of the folks on the right who thought Obama was a Muslim. They're both equally without evidence. And so, like with Elizabeth Warren there, she knows the president's not going to be impeached, but she just tosses it out there to her supporters because it fires them up, and it's all very cynical, and it reminds me again why I hate politics. Now, When we come back, I do want to get into that Democratic debate, because on this show we like to talk about things that are underneath the ideas, and so some of the things these people, excuse me, underneath the people, so some of the things these people said have ideas behind them. We're going to play you sound clips from that and respond. We'll do that and more when you come back for the rest of the Corey Truax Show. Some of you regular listener types might be saying, hey, um, what's with the piano music? Don't you usually play some pretty hard rock coming back? I do, but check this out. I'm learning to play piano. I'm terrible. Like, I'm not good. I'm trying. You can actually, if you follow on Instagram, you can watch some of my efforts that are, it's not going great. But I'm so into piano music now that I can't stop listening to piano music. And so... When I like a thing, I share it with the people that I that I enjoy. And I have great affection and joy for you, the listener. And so I'm sharing with you my love of piano music. We're going to do that for a little while here. Uh, rejoins, that's the radio term for the music you play or bumper music. Rejoins or bumper music for coming in and out of breaks. So there you go. Piano music's coming your way. Thank you, thank you for listening to the Corey Truax Show. If you would be so kind, find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just look for me, Corey Truax. You'll find me there. On Facebook, you can find me and send me a friend request. I also have a fan page where you can just click like, and it would be greatly appreciated if you would. After a... An, that was that first segment's not normal for me, right? I don't get into politics that much anymore. That was a very political first segment, and it was one with stuff to make people happy and mad. Every, everybody can like me and dislike me at, at equal levels for that. And even though the first segment was quite political, we're going to stay with politics because... It doesn't interest me a ton, but one of the things going on in the news right now is the Democratic primary, and they just had a debate. They're going to have another one next month, and one of the things I think the Lord has gifted me to do is to take those things that are uh, that are on the surface for a lot of people, that are about people and events, and I can look underneath and take a look at the ideas. So we're going to do that first with Kamala Harris. She, to me, in that debate was the... She was the clear loser. She had a moment after that first debate because she basically called Joe Biden a racist. Uh, But that moment is over, and she is not good at this. That is something I definitely concluded. So here's a little bit of audio from Kamala Harris. Donald Trump in office on trade policy. You know, he reminds me of that, that guy in The Wizard of Oz. You know, when you pull back the curtain, it's a really small dude. I don't even know why that's a point. And if you, I couldn't find the audio on YouTube, but she spent like seven or eight seconds maniacally laughing at her own joke. And listen, guys, I'm someone who laughs at my own jokes. It's not a good habit. But when I laugh at my own jokes, I don't do it like she did. Very aggressively thinking she is a very, very funny person. 
And it's just a, like, I, I don't, I'm not going to have any feelings hurt over people saying mean things about the president. He says mean things about everybody. But it doesn't, it doesn't even make an argument. And I don't think anyone can out-bully the bully. So it's not even helpful to her. And also to Kamala Harris, stop laughing at your own jokes that aggressively. It's really weird. Here's one more point from her. Biden has said about executive orders. To- I should cl- clarify. So it starts here with the moderator. And he's making a very good point. Uh, I need, ah, there's so much explanation to give you. Let's stop and do that. Here's what I'm noticing in the Democratic debates. There's Elizabeth Warren, there's Bernie Sanders, and some, some folks like them who are not adults. They are not serious people. They promise things that cannot be. They promise things that should not be. They promise things that Soviet Russia and communist, and some of the most communist and socialist places know aren't realistic. Like they promise things and they envision a world that is not good for human flourishing because it, just, it doesn't comport to human nature and the laws of economics. And there are two people, Joe Biden being one of them on the stage, who's willing just to be an adult and say, oh, no, that's not how adult life works. Oh, no, there's a thing called money. There's a money supply, and there's economics and interest rates. Oh, yeah, money's not unlimited. You can't just do it that way. And Joe Biden is one of the adults. The other one I'll play in a little bit, and I think her name is, oh, I, for, I feel so terrible for forgetting her name, but she is one of the senators in the race and she's the only other person on stage willing to just be an adult and say, oh, yeah, the socialist fantasy that you've created in your head that's never worked anywhere and certainly hasn't worked on the scale of an economy that's $21 trillion, hasn't worked on the scale of, an, of a people group that's 310 million people, you can't even scale it down and it work in places like Venezuela. And for that matter, I don't, whatever your definition of work is, it doesn't work in Norway and Sweden, the Scandinavian countries. If your definition of work is as rigorous as it should be. And so, this was before we get to the economics of it. This is Joe Biden. This is the moderator saying to Kamala Harris, Joe Biden has said this thing about guns. Do you agree with him about this thing he said about guns? And again, Joe Biden is the one being the realistic adult in the room. Really talented people are seeking the nomination. They said, I'm going to issue an executive order. Biden saying there's no constitutional authority to issue that executive order when they say I'm going to eliminate assault weapons, saying you can't do it by executive order any more than Trump can do things when he says he can do it by executive order. Does the vice president have a point there? Some things you can. Many things you can't. Let's let the senator answer. Well, I mean, I would just say, hey, Joe, instead of saying no, we can't, let's say yes, we can. Let's be constitutional. Then he says, "Let's be, let's be constitutional." I should only play that. We got a constitution. And yes, we can. That is so obnoxious. And again, her laughing so crazy at her own joke. And do you even get the joke? He was on the campaign with Barack Obama, and their whole theme was "Yes, we can." They even put it in Spanish and said "Si se puede." Right? That was their thing. And instead of saying "No, we can't," let's say "Yes, we can." It's not even an argument. Joe Joe Biden is just technically correct. It's not constitutional. You don't have the authority as president just to ban something. The same way I would argue this current president didn't have the authority to ban bump stocks like he did, not without Congress doing something. And I would argue Congress doing something is even unconstitutional because I don't know why shall not be infringed is so hard to understand in the language of the Second Amendment now. So Kamala, I think, is done. I'm basically positive the uh, the 
the state of this race is Joe Biden is your clear front runner, and if Warren or Bernie can't knock the other out, then Joe Biden is going to win this nomination. Biden and Warren together, they are the unrealistic, and they might be they might be seasoned citizens, but they are childish in their thinking. They're childlike in their thinking. The world they want to exist does not exist. It violates all the laws of economics and human nature. It violates every picture we have in human history of how societies work and civilizations work. But the two of them together have gained enough support that uh, there's enough of those voters out there that want that fantasy world that they could beat Joe. They could beat Biden. But if they continue to keep the, the Democratic field divided, then Joe Biden's going to win this thing. But the question is if Warren or Biden can knock the other one off. All right, uh, let's see. I think this – I actually can't remember this next clip I pulled. I just put together some clips for you. Uh, so let's listen to the next clip from the Democratic debate, and we will respond. comes to our health care and what comes to our premiums, I go with the doctor's creed, which is do no harm. And while Bernie – wrote the bill i read the bill and on page eight i can't remember this is that senator i can't remember her name but she's one of the candidates with no no chance they're discussing health care right here and she was the only other one on the stage who's willing to be an adult to say no you can't have it all that's not how this works free health care will have diminished access quote free health care will have diminished quality and it will if you're not paying at the cost of service, you will have less good health care. Less quality will come out of your health care. And you'll have less access because everyone's gonna, going to want to use it, so you'll have your wait times. And it's not free. You will have to pay more in taxes. She and Joe Biden were the only ones willing to say so. Here is more of her. On page 8 of the bill, it says that we will no longer have private insurance as we know it. And that means that 149 million Americans will no longer be able to have their current insurance. That's in four years. I don't think that's a bold idea. I think it's a bad idea. And she is totally right about that. It's, of course, a bad idea for 100. That's half the people, half the American people have a private health insurance. I'm sure not all of them like it, or some of them do. But to fundamentally try to transform and give to, of all things, to, of all things, to give a one-fifth of the American economy to the federal government, who ruins everything. I challenge you. I, I mean this. If you are one of my listeners that thinks a government-run healthcare system is a good idea, I, I beg of you, send me your evidence as to why the government can do anything well. I just, I mean anything. Send me the program, send me the department, that you say this is efficient and it's well run. Like I think some of you might bring up, well, the military, is it though? We, we invade countries really, really well. We're very efficient in the destruction of other people's militaries and their buildings and their oil fields and all that. The military is rife with waste the money we spend on some of the junk we do in military spending. Guys, there's no part of the federal government that's well run. And the idea of having half the American people who have private health insurance, some of them who like it, just we're telling them, no, that's illegal. You can't do that anymore. We're all going to be in this mediocre to bad system together, but at least we're all in it together. And I, I, I appreciate her candor. It's not a bold idea 
for the government to take over health care. It's a bad idea. It's a terrible idea that for Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren have. I think this is continuing on the health care thing, but also taxes. And I think this next clip is Joe Biden. Will middle-class taxes go up? Will private insurance be eliminated? Look. So that's George Stephanopoulos asking Elizabeth Warren about her health care plan. Will private insurance be eliminated? Can people? Would it be legal to have a private health insurance plan? And would taxes go up to pay for this insane plan of yours? What families have to deal with is cost, total cost. That's what they have to deal with. And understand, families are paying for their health care today. Families pay every time an insurance company says, sorry, you can't see that special. That's not going to work as an answer. That... So you're asked, will taxes go up? Well, you know, what people are really worried about is cost. That's what really the, the problem is. Bernie did a similar thing. Bernie's thing was when asked, will, will taxes go up to pay for your program? Well, you know, really, the thing is the status quo was so bad. That's not going to work. Listen, Donald Trump's not a skilled debater. Even he can say, you didn't answer the question. Are taxes going to go up? And you know who came to the rescue for the Democratic Party and said an adult and smart thing? It was Joe Biden. The matter is, we're in a situation where, if you notice, he hadn't answered the question. This is about candor, honesty, big ideas. Well, let's have a big idea. The, the tax of 2% that the senator is talking about, that raises about $3 billion. Guess what? That leaves you about $28 billion short. The senator said before, it's going to cost you in your pay. There will be a deductible in your paycheck. You're going to, the middle class person, someone making 60 grand with three kids, they're going to end up paying $5,000 more. They're going to end up paying 4% more on their income tax. That's a reality. Now, it's not a bad idea if you like it. I don't like it. This is not Mitch McConnell. It's not Paul Ryan. It's not me saying any of this. That's Joe Biden. That's Barack Obama's vice president. Because he's an adult who understands how the world works. And I even like the way he said it. I can't believe I'm saying a nice thing about Joe Biden. This is weird. But Joe Biden's saying, yeah, of course you're going to have a deductible. Your taxes are going to go up. And so here, for whatever reason, people like Warren and, uh, and, and uh, Bernie, they're obsessed with not people not paying at the, at the point of service. They're obsessed with it. That you, you need to be able to walk into any doctor at any time, apparently any time of day, and that doctor is to be totally incumbent to do whatever you want and that you walk out and never pay a dime. Now, if your taxes go up 20% of the back end, they don't care because you didn't pay when you showed up. So you, this is the big thing. You don't have a deductible and you don't have a copay. Yeah, but my taxes are going up. I'm still paying more. And the thing that it, for someone like me, it makes me the most angry because I don't use doctors much. And so my taxes go up to pay for someone else's health care, and it doesn't even benefit me at all. And Joe Biden is the only one in the room that will stand up and say, guys, you can't just make these numbers up. You can't, uh, you can't just pretend the system costs nothing. If, if we, ha- if, if, I shouldn't say we, because it is not a we. If Republicans had a candidate capable of this, this is what I would do. I would come to that first debate with all of the effective tax rates of those European companies. I'd come to make sure that the American people know, in this, apparently you, there's some group of you that want socialism. 
I want you to know the reality of it. Here's the reality that if you were paying the tax rate they pay in Germany, in the United Kingdom, in Norway, in Sweden, in Denmark, if you were paying their tax rates and you're a you're a single person earning 50 grand a year, you know right now you're paying about 20% of your income in taxes, well it's going to be 55%, okay? That's what you're paying in. Go ahead and tell that fam- that tell that family. Two income household, three kids in it, joint incomes 100 and I'll make it up, 130 grand and right now you're paying whatever it is you're paying in, it's probably less than 20% in that situation. Well now you're paying 35% of your income. That's how I would prepare. Because you can want all this sweet, can- it's all this cotton candy balloons type of stuff. We want to give away all this free stuff. But it's not free. You will pay for it. You'll just prepay for it. And I wish they would just talk about it that way. Just be honest. Just grow up and say it. Grow up and say it if you're Bernie Sanders. Grow up and say it if you're Elizabeth Warren. We don't think anyone should pay at the time of service for health care for higher education, for whatever. But we think that from the time you start paying taxes until the time you die, you should be paying for it the entire time. And the other part of this that should be made clear, and this is the other thing I would want to say to the we want socialism crowd over there with Warren and Bernie. And again, the Republicans don't have a nominee who can do this. They don't have the, they don't have the ability to come to the microphone and make this case. I would first want to make the case, like Joe Biden did, your taxes will go up, period, bottom line, and they will go up a good bit. Like, it's going to change your life, how much, how much, how much more taxes you pay. But, second, I would come equipped with the standard of living in those places. We all live better here. I've given you the stats before. The average American with more, more square footage, the average American owns however many cars it is, Average Europe- Western Europeans don't own uh, a car or they own fewer cars. The average Western European, whether or not they have air conditioning, average Western European and whether or not, oh, some, some of the other, oh, if they owned a washer and dryer. I mean, we live really well here. I actually have some Mormon friends. This is a weird sentence. I have some Mormon friends who did their, uh, you know, that two-year two thing that Mormons have to do, the mission thing. Sometimes they do it overseas. And I have two Mormon friends who went to, oh, is it Denmark? I'm almost positive it was Denmark. And they they talked about how just the, the, normal, the normal situation of the people they live there. You don't have a car because you take public transportation. You don't have a washer and dryer, and you go to a, like a laundromat for it. Uh, you, so it was no, no air conditioning. It was laundromat. Oh, yeah, no, like no one they knew owned a home. Everybody rented an apartment. Maybe they owned a condo. And there's no space, like everyone's piled on top, piled on top of each other. There's this just fake thing that Warren, Bernie, and there's a bunch of other people that live in this fantasy world that there are countries out there where people are wealthy and innovation is endless, and they keep making all kinds of new things, and their industry is booming, and the people live so well. Yeah, that's not happening, guys. You know who's living the best in the world right now? We are. We have our problems. There are things to fix. One of them is the healthcare system. Our healthcare system is backward and stupid and inefficient. The thing that you don't do... Oh, I'm about to say something nice and sharp over here. You know what one of the worst things I hear in business? One of the, one of the things I can't stand the most to hear in business or in church or, or in an organization 
is, well, the way we used to do it, or the way we've always done it, or, you know, the way that we had success in the past, and this past was, and when you fill in the blank with something like that. Sometimes, yes, there are some lessons we can learn from the past. But I'm not looking to go back or to back to things that have been done before. What if there's a better way going forward? What if there's a new thing we haven't tried before? You have the American system where we get insurance companies and hospital associations and doctors associations and then third-party insurers and your companies and your HR departments and then you, and we put it all together and have an inefficient, dumb system. And then we have bad systems in Canada and the UK and Denmark where the government runs everything and the doc, the, in Canada, every doctor, every specialist is, is a government employee. Hey, guys, what about this? What if there's another way? What if we don't look to the past at what's been done? What if there's a new way? And that's why, boy, I wish we had anybody, anybody in politics who would talk like that. Not looking to other systems, looking to the past, but looking to the future and that which can be innovative. Now, when we come back, one of you, the listeners, has a very interesting idea about Democratic primary season coming up. I want to talk about that and a whole lot more when you come back for the rest of the Corey Act Show. Ah, yes, that's sweet piano music bringing us back in. You know what I should probably do? Do like a trivia contest. Like if those of you that can recognize the song in the, and then I don't know, we'll give something away. I haven't written a book yet or anything, so I can't give away my book, but I bet I could just, I don't know, buy a book you want or something. I'll think about it. Maybe do a little contest. We've never done a contest on the Corey Act show, and that'll be like a name that tune contest, which by the way, was my favorite game show growing up. Price is Right was pretty close. Like getting that, those days where you stay home from school because you're sick or fake sick and you watch The Price is Right, that was good, but there was nothing like Name That Tune. I was very good at it. All right, here we go. Uh, last last segment here, I would say, let's just do a lot of stuff uh, some that, that have been in the news or been on my prep sheet for a while. Before we jump into all that, we have had a very deep day on presidential politics, so I thought... You know, my, my background is politics. Before I moved on to theology and other things, I did a lot of politics. And so let me just handicap the 2020 race so you can even mark the tape. Uh, there's no tape, by the way. This is all digital. Tape's been dead for two decades. But, uh, I don't know, around the 34-ish minute mark of this broadcast, I'll be giving you some predictions. Here you go. If the If the Democrats nominate... Bernie Sanders, they will be crushed. If they nominate Kamala Harris, they'll lose. I'm talking the the president will beat them, I think, pretty fairly easily. I think Warren and Trump would have a very tight race, and I think Biden would beat him. I think he'd beat him, not easily, but he, he, he would beat him. Primarily because of this. You're going to run into this this problem where like in 2016, Hillary Clinton's ideas were unpopular, but so was she. She was unlikable. And then Donald Trump was unlikable, but he was at least saying to a lot of people, I'll support your ideas, even if he never had them. That's one of the weird things about Donald Trump. Like he's never had any ideas. He's never had any ideology. He's never had any values. He just, whatever helps me. What do I got to do? What do I got to do to get your support? And that's all he did. And that's, again, that's helped some conservative causes because they're the ones that said, we'll support you, and so he supports them back. But 
what happens, so that's Hillary Clinton's problem was she was personally unpopular and her policies are unpopular. You can bring in a Elizabeth Warren who who is going to be more personally acceptable. Like just even for me, I'm okay with Elizabeth Warren as a person. I sort of like her. She's smarter than she pretends to be. She's not as left-wing as she pretends to be. This is all uh, this is all a ruse from her. You know, she's got a book from 10 years ago where she's all about family values and charter schools. Like She sounds like a moderate Democrat to liberal Republican. And she just knows the game now. The game's in the Democratic Party. They're all insane, and so she has to say insane things. But she's at least likable at some level. But her ideas are still going to be unpopular. If she's out there doing the, we want to socialize everything, which means raise your taxes an insane amount. That Joe Biden clip was great where he talked about, you know, your 2% wealth tax would raise this much, but you're still missing this $28 billion or whatever it was. Oh, by the way, new thought on that I had. I'm basically positive a wealth tax is unconstitutional. Like the Supreme Court, any court should strike that down. You know, we, we authorize in the 16th Amendment, idiotically, we authorize the federal government to tax our income. There is no constitutional authority for a wealth tax. It doesn't exist. The only reason they get to tax our income is because we told them we could in the 16th Amendment. If you're just telling me we are going to evaluate the total value of someone's estate, everything they own, their entire, their entire value, and we're just going to tax it at 2%. If your value is above whatever it is for her, I think it's above $5 million or something, we're just going to tax it. We're taking 2%. Not only is it a terrible idea, and this is very important, it's an immoral idea. It's morally wrong to do that. But I don't even think it's, I don't think, it's. I'm right, it's unconstitutional. They don't have the authority to tax predetermined wealth. Because that, on that matter, the wealth that does exist for people is has already been taxed. You taxed it through income, you taxed it through capital gains, you taxed it through property taxes, You've already taxed this stuff. You don't get to tax it again. And still, it wasn't even enough, and Joe Biden illustrated that. Okay, so like her ideas are terrible. Her, her ideas are going to be unpopular, but she will at least be personally more likable because I think we can all admit the President of the United States is an unlikable person. Even those who vote for him, don't. a lot of them don't like him. Even when he, when he won. <laughs> it was, was kind of sad, actually, L- looking at the exit polls. Neither candidate for the major parties, Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, neither one of them were above 50% in likability. Like more than half the country that went to vote went in with the two major party candidates going, I don't like these people. These are, ugh, these are yucky people. So that's my handicap. Joe Biden can beat him because the ideas are more palatable and he's more personally likable. But uh, I don't think Donald Trump's personality is enough for him to lose this thing. The The ideas have to be better, and the ideas from the Bernies and the Elizabeth Warrens and those that are like them, they're terrible ideas. History bears that out, and so I don't think it's enough. Okay, so that's uh, to end the presidential politics. Here's some good news. I love news like this. This is from PJ Media. The headline is, Christian artists can't be forced to make gay wedding invitations, Arizona Supreme Court uh, rules. This is good news. This is a one of the many cases like this where uh, some Christian business owner has their conscience tell them not to participate 
in a wedding between a same-sex couple. And that participation has been through making flower arrangements, through making cakes. Uh, some of it has been venue, those that own venues for weddings. And now this is apparently someone who does stationery that they didn't want to do the stationery for uh, the stationery for uh, the what's uh, for, for this gay wedding. A quote from I think this is the, yeah this is Justice Andrew Gould. So this is in the ruling he he writes. The rights of free speech and free exercise, so precious to this nation since its founding, are not limited to soft murmurings behind the doors of a person's home or church or private conversations with like-minded family and friends. Oh, that's a good and that's a good one. Uh, he says these guarantee these guarantee pr- guarantees the guarantees of the right to free speech and free exercise. These guarantees protect the right of every American to express their beliefs in public. This includes the right to create and sell words, paintings, and art that express a person's sincere religious beliefs. Uh, so this does seem to be a, it's a ruling in, um, in, in concurrence right there with the, the ruling the Supreme Court made last year uh, about Masterpiece Cake Shop. They, they did it very narrowly, and I wish they wouldn't have. It seems to be the argument that's working with judges is about expression in the First Amendment. So, as in, you can't go to a novelist and say, I want you to write a novel about how good gay marriage is. And if the novelist says, no, I'm not going to write that novel, I don't, I'm, not, I'm an artist. I don't, I don't make up stories for your political purposes. Well, for, the, for that same reason, the cake maker, because it de- cake, cake decorating is artistic, putting together and creating wedding invitations is artistic, that that's how judges are accepting the argument. They're accepting the argument by saying people who do artistic things can't be required to create art on behalf of, a, of, an, of something they don't agree with. You know, I, I have made the analogy to some left-wing friends of mine on this because one of them was a caterer. And I said, if the NRA, this guy hates guns, uh, if the NRA wants you to cater their next meeting in South Carolina, a big NRA chapters meeting, do you say no? He says, yeah, I don't, I don't want it. Okay, and I'm with you. You shouldn't have to, and you shouldn't be in trouble for it. Your personal values, your personal beliefs are such that you think guns are evil, so no one should make you do business with gun people. Equally, if you're a believer and you follow the Bible and you know that marriage is an institution God created between one man and one woman, no one should make you participate in something that violates those values. And we should all have that respect for each other. I, I mean, even for me. If, I'm trying to think of one that actually is relevant to me, but if someone for some reason didn't want to do business with me because of what I think, well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to try to force them. I just, no, you're, okay. You don't like what I think or b- believe, and you don't want to be associated. That's cool. Just you should I like it. I'll help you even find, like I'll refer you to somebody else who does what I do and uh, would be more acceptable to you. That's fine. That's called being a decent person and an adult. Decent people and adults don't try to ruin each other's lives because we're offended. Decent people and adults just go on with their lives. They grow up. That's what should happen there. All right, so that's a great story from PJ Media. I suspect there will, in course, of course, be appeals, but the Supreme Court's already ruled in our favor on this. When I say our, I do mean Christians, that Christians have the right to be Christians in public. It's funny that he wrote it that way, that the ideas of freedom of speech and freedom of expression in religion 
are not just for soft murmurings behind closed doors. That's what he wrote, soft murmurings behind closed doors. So the right in the Constitution to speech and to, relig- and to the practice of religion is not to whisper it and to be behind closed doors. It's that you could do it in public and be a Christian in public. And it's, by the way, Christian, I'm going to do that thing I do. Oh, boy. You know, here we are. We're the ones that we fight for our rights, and we are zealous for our religious freedom. So let me ask you, Christian, and I'll ask myself, what are you doing with it? We're so intent on having our Christian freedom to be Christians in public. So what are you doing? How are you using your Christian freedom? Are you using it to live a life that Jesus would have us live? Are you using it for evangelism? Are you using it to love each other? If we're going to fight for our right to live Christianly, let's live Christianly. Next, just an interesting story I saw from the AP. It does appear that there is uh, prosecutors in Manhattan with a case that tangentially ties in to President Trump because of how it deals with Michael Cohen, that they have requested a subpoena for eight years of tax returns for the president. This is interesting to me because there isn't a general right to see his tax returns. He should have done it. It was the right thing to do to release them. And But you, you're not a... There, if you're going to subpoena something, you have to have a, a compelling interest in having uh, access to it. And these particular eight years relate directly to Michael Cohen. And so I suspect they're going to, they're going to get access to those eight years. Now, of course, uh, a judge can seal those and say that it just stays inside the court proceeding. But I think it would be interesting to see the tax returns of the president. Primarily. Uh, because, listen, <clears throat> same thing with me, right? I, I'm kind of arrogant sometimes. Wouldn't you all like to see me humbled every now and then, right? You'd, you'd want to see me get the humbling I deserve. Well, the, I mean, Donald Trump's an arrogant jerk. It would be justice just for him to have to recognize, because here's what I think his tax returns show. I think he's an insane amount of debt. Like, he's, he probably does have incredible inflows, but he's, he's leveraged like crazy, and that's probably what he wants to hide. What he wants to hide is, I have a lot of money. I also owe a lot of money. And it would be not a bad thing for a bad person to be humbled. And that's just called justice is what that's called. So uh, we'll, I'll, I'll track that and see what happens there. Another one I wanted to get into, uh, Liberty University. My best friend in the whole world went to Liberty. He's a smart person. There are smart people that have gone to Liberty. There are also really dumb people that have gone to Liberty. It's actually one of the things I find at North Greenville where I work uh, my day job. There are students that we will reject, that we know can't cut it, can't do the work academically, that Liberty will welcome in and call them leaders and scholars because that's how Liberty works. It's a... It's a place that's all about numbers. Get the numbers up. And again, they also have quality people. They also have smart people and quality faculty. I'm not telling you that if you're listening to me and your degree is from Liberty University that it's useless. It's not useless. You can get a good education there. I'm just telling you their, their value is numbers, 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 numbers. Be big. Get as many people as possible. So say yes to everybody. And so there's Liberty University and the Jerry Falwell Jr., someone who blocked me on Twitter, by the way, Look at my fame. My call to fame is, my claim to fame is Jerry Falwell Jr. blocked me on Twitter. Um, he's a bad person. He's the president of Liberty University. His behavior has shown himself to be unfaithful in a lot of ways. He's just a bad, a bad guy. 
And Politico put out a very long story that a lot of you sent me uh, regarding some of those behaviors. And some of it is just, uh, it, it, there's some uh, arrangements on campus with certain vendors and service providers that are connected to the Falwell family that they don't look great. It doesn't look great in terms of trying to in, maybe enrich themselves. It's also really clear that the Falwells, after their dad's death, that his big thing has been real estate, and it seems to be he's used some university funds and investments, and but he gets a rubber stamp from that board of trustees. Uh, and so there was a small protest on campus. About 35 students were protesting him. And I appreciate those 35, because if you're, if you're going to be the largest Christian university in the world, you should hold yourself to higher standard. I actually think Falwell Sr., he, uh, I think it's him. He had this. He had this uh, standard that was: if it's Christian, if it's a Christian education or a Christian experience or Christian whatever, that means it should be better. When you put the Jesus label on it, it means you should be doing better than the secular world. And the way that Liberty is running right now, under that leadership, in terms of ethics and transparency, it is not better. He even said, Jerry Falwell Jr. even said that the person who wrote the Politico story, he called him a little boy and said, we're going we're gonna to hire the meanest attorney in New York to see what, what kind of litigation we could bring against him. Yeah, that's what Jesus said. When you get slapped on the cheek, hire the meanest attorney in New York. That's what you're supposed to do. It's not turn the other cheek. No, no. That's not what you're supposed to do at all. But that's not how Jerry Falwell lives. Jer- Jerry Falwell Jr. doesn't live a Christian life. He, he lives a business life. If his, and to be clear... If his last name wasn't Falwell, he, he, oh God, probably selling cars. And the selling cars is not a bad thing. That's just what he would be doing uh, because he's not that bright. He's not that talented. Uh, he's just a, a ruthless, he's just a ruthless bad person. There was more I wanted to get into, but we have run out of time. So would you do me this favor? Share the show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Connect to me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And tell some folks about the show. We'd love uh, to see it to see it grow over the coming year. We will be back with another new edition of the Corey Truax Show next week. And until then, everybody, peace and love.